The following podcast is for entertainment purposes only. We are not anywhere near as experienced as a real financial advisor, so none of our advice should be taken as real serious financial advice. If you lose a whole lot of money, we'll laugh at you. In all seriousness, please do your due diligence before investing in any sort of financial product and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Magnitude Podcast, the show in which we talk about stocks, politics, tech news, and really just anything we'd like to shoot the shit about. And I hope you enjoy. I guess we can just jump right into it and with the impulse buys. Myself, I don't I actually didn't have that many impulse buys this week. I don't think I had any. I think I just did, you know, I bought into more of Corsair when it's dipping, you know? Digging in so that when it goes above my average threshold, it'll make more money when it uh you know, goes over. And how about you guys? I made a whole lot of impulse buys. So that's what we like to hear. <laughs> so at the beginning of the week, I thought, all right, buying tech is doing great. So I sold that off. And then when Tesla dipped down to 550, I thought, you know, it's probably a good time to sell off one share. So I had about a grand to play with. Well, 1000 to play with. So what I did was my first impulse buy was to double the amount of ICLN that I had just because I really like the stock. It's pretty much the meme stock of our podcast. So I don't really think I need to explain why it's a, it's a good option again. I still have more shares than you. Oh man. Okay. I guess I guess I'll need to buy another I don't know, 10, 15, 20 shirt. I'll, fi- I'll figure out a number just so I have more than Chris. No, I need this victory. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. It is the most steady stock that we've had. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a retirement stock, honestly, just holding it for the long term. Now, the two more interesting impulse buys that I had were Fisker and Upwork. So Fisker, for anybody that doesn't know <laughs> or hasn't been listening, but I've been harping on it for the past few episodes is an EV startup and they've basically already signed a manufacturing agreement with the same company that builds Jaguars and the guy that's running it uh, has been one of the lead designers for Range Rovers and BMWs in the past so he's got really good design credentials the stock dipped down to about 17 dollars something cents And I thought, you know, I like this company. I'm going to hold it for a while. I think it's a viable Tesla competitor. So I ended up buying a whole bunch of that. Now, the last stock that I bought that I mentioned earlier was Upwork. And Upwork, for anybody that doesn't know, is a freelance um, gig platform, essentially. So if, you know, you want to make money on the side, right, or you're a really good developer, you want to start building up your own company, customer base, then you would basically go to a platform like Upwork or Fiverr for that matter. And you basically, you know, address people's job postings or gig postings. And my thought was because the virus is probably going to get much worse before it gets better, people are going to need work to be able to keep, you know, paying the mortgage or keep food on the table. And Upwork is definitely very well positioned in in that respect. So I bought up a whole bunch of their shares. I'll probably buy up some Fiverr shares as well in the future. But for now, I think they're kind of in a stronger position than Fiverr is. So those were my impulse buys. 
Okay, they sound pretty good. Yeah. Any from you, Chris? No, no, not at all. Uh, but I did hear that uh, kind of related to impulse buys and swinging us into our next uh, topic was Tamor had some cryptocurrencies he was getting involved. <laughs> Do you have an addiction now? Yep. Sadly, yes. Yes, I think I have an addiction. Um, <laughs> I thought you only had an addiction to options. <laughs> is it just spreading? <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's a gateway drug. <laughs> You're right. Well, okay, so options were one of my ways of increasing the amount of income that you know my portfolio makes. While it does actually cap out the possible profit, right? It, it keeps a steady amount of income coming in. Now, for Bitcoin, I originally used PayPal to buy a Bitcoin, right? They've recently started offering a Bitcoin buying service, but it's only fee-free until the end of this year, right? And then afterwards, they charge about 2% on every single, you know, buy and sell that you do. Now, I thought, you know, I want to probably hold this for a long for a long time, but if I end up buying a lot of Bitcoin, right, then I'm only, you know, stuck with PayPal's uh, promise that they're holding my Bitcoin, right? And I actually found that that's a pretty common problem with Bitcoins, right? People are paranoid that if you've got a central company that holds all your bitcoins for you right that's risky because if they lose your bitcoins you've lost your bitcoins too there's no insurance there's no fdic there's no sipsy that keeps you insured against losses so my thought was all right this is already kind of an unregulated space but i should move somewhere safer right or relatively speaking safer or that has better perks than paypal does so I did some research, and I ended up finding out about BlockFi. Uh, do have either of you heard of Block BlockFi before? No, no, but it sounds very familiar to blockchain, which I know is a hot buzzword in the cryptocurrency <laughs> world. Probably uses it. BlockFi's BlockFi's a company, um, and basically what they do is they lend Bitcoin out to institutional investors, like banks and stuff. So the main perk of BlockFi is that you actually gain interest on the Bitcoin you hold in your account, and it compounds somewhere up to about 6 to 8%. So my thought was, all right, so that's kind of a, that's a good trade-off, right? So if I'm buying Bitcoin from BlockFi, and BlockFi actually uses Gemini, which is a uh, very well-regulated company that does Bitcoin storage and uh, trading, kind of like the New York Stock Exchange does for stocks. I thought, all right, so they've kind of taken steps to mitigate their risk. They're backed by big players such as Fidelity and the Winklevoss twins. And they're also paying out interest in the form of Bitcoins just for keeping my holdings on their platform. That's that's a pretty good trade-off for, for the risk in, 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 my, in my view. So the further thing is that Bitcoin, well... All of the Bitcoin enthusiasts, many Bitcoin enthusiasts, assure me that it'll jump up to $100,000 or $300,000 per Bitcoin in the near future. And the reason why is because there's a limited supply of Bitcoins. And the amount of reward you get for finding more of these Bitcoins drops by half every cycle. I believe the cycle is like three to five years, but I, I don't know off the top of my head for sure. So I thought, all right, if the reward for 
finding new Bitcoins is about to have again, then the existing supply of Bitcoins is actually going to jump up in price. If BlockFi is offering me an option to store my Bitcoins with them and pay me interest in further Bitcoins, then not only do I compound in terms of the amount of Bitcoin currency that I have, but Bitcoin's value relative to the dollar will also jump, which means it'll come out ahead in, in two different ways, uh, two different meaningful ways, I mean. So I thought, all right, earlier today, I, I opened an account and uh, I'm still waiting for the ACH transfer. But once that goes through, I'm, I'm looking forward to using their platform and seeing if it turns out to be better or you know, comparable or even worse than PayPal. So I'm, I'm not sure yet, but I'm, I'm liking how it is so far. I like it. You're winning in more ways than one then. <laughs> yeah. It's a good, <laughs> you're killing two birds with one stone. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a good way to do it. You're trading off the insurance of a bank, well, which really no Bitcoin holder has, but you're offsetting that risk with the interest that you gain from having them pay you the interest wh while they hold it. Is that right? Yeah, and they pay interest in more Bitcoin. So if the price of Bitcoin jumps, then the effective interest they paid me in dollars also jumps, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds solid. It, it is for now. I mean, it remains to be seen how it turns out. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful. <laughs> I'm hopeful. If either of you guys end up uh, doing it, I'll, I can give you my reference code. We both get a bit of money for that. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Yeah, I think the current value of Bitcoin just went back up to what it was when it like spiked a couple of years ago, which is around 19,000. Uh, when it spiked in 2018, I think it was, um, it's, but it went up to just below 20,000 or maybe at 20,000. So I think this was a more steady increase though. So it would be more, a more stable uh, value for it to be at rather than to have it you know just die down out of nowhere um, so there's a less chance of that do you have an idea of what value it's going to be when or like how fast or like what might happen in the near future say like within a year or versus five years i'm not really sure what'll happen in a year well okay i, I guess taking a step back I think a lot of it depends on its value relative to the U.S. dollar, right? Because if okay. right now we're doing stuff like printing money to, you know, buy up stocks to keep the stock market afloat, that means the dollar is devaluing versus the value of Bitcoin because you can't make more Bitcoin. <laughs> you can't inflate out of nothing. Exactly. So, um, I think in that case, it's a good bet to say it'll go further up. I don't know if it'll, you know, 5x again, but it's it's hype based for sure, so there's there's definitely some amount of care that should be taken with regard to how much I put in, right? Like it it's very speculative. Chris, what do you think? I mean, my biggest thought and my biggest concern overall is the risk factor of it. And how much do you risk losing a big amount of money, especially on something that's not insured, something that's got no safety nets or anything there? Can you, um, I know with, uh, with stocks, you can claim like a certain amount of losses. Can you do the same thing with cryptocurrencies or no? Nope, you can't. Well, that's, that's FDIC insurance. That's where I get concerned. Yeah, and well, 
they are starting to be regulated more and more. There's actually a stock version of a Bitcoin that you can buy called GBTC, but it's just a trust that kind of buys Bitcoins on your behalf, and they charge 2% in fees, which is not great. Yeah, it's atrocious. We're used to like 0.5%. But it's also coming from someone who's much uh, more reserved in my transactions. It's a much safer way to invest in something that could be the future and could be, you know, where investments are going, but you aren't necessarily sure you want to go in as unprotected. Right. That's so fair. it is still a good option, I think. And I mean, if Bitcoin spikes up by 100%, then 2% is going to feel like chump change to you. At the end of the exactly, trip. and it also did give me that safety net of you know if they do tank, I can you know have the FDIC insurance and stuff, which is still valuable. Yeah, exactly. The one thing I will say though that's a little bit weird is that if the supply of Bitcoin limited and somebody gets like a monopoly over all the Bitcoin, you know, is that like a flaw in the system? You know, like if it's if it's not regulated that well then i also feel like the potential for abuse of bitcoin way down the line like this is more of like a five to fifteen year kind of question the potential for abuse with bitcoin is also way higher right not in terms of like a hey we used to buy drugs and hookers more of like a hey i now own half the bitcoin and i'm going to use it to invest so i end up owning a hundred percent of the bitcoin you know if you own a hundred percent of bitcoin i don't could you make money off of that? Well, you couldn't. You'd have destroyed Bitcoin, right? Like, there's no way to make more money on that because what well, more money is there to make? Game over. <laughs> so uh, a question with the uh, almost corruption of Bitcoin and stuff there. Uh, I know that's not the right term. But uh, one thing I was reading a lot about when I was looking into this a few years ago when I was you know poor trying to you know make big money easy was... The concept of like pumping and dumping. Do you know what I say? What I mean when I say that? Yep. Yes, I do. Um, Can you explain it for the people? Because you'll give a much better explanation than I will, considering I haven't looked at this in years. Sure. Well, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna use a different cryptocurrency to explain the concept, and uh, for for the time being, let's call it Tamor Coin because I think that's hilarious. No magnitude coin. Magnitude coin. That's better. Mag coin. <laughs> Okay, so let's say there's a whole bunch of magnitude coin out there, right? Like a million magnitude coins, for example, right? Now, they're all trading at about a dollar. And let's say, for example, a group of 100 people, right, decide to buy uh, um, 10,000 magnitude coins each, right? So now they've effectively controlled about... Uh, one-tenth of all of the magnitude coin in existence. What happens to the price of magnitude coin? It goes up because there's higher demand uh, with lower supply. That's that's the principle in um, in kind of the, the most obvious terms. I'm not really an, uh, an economist, so I can't really explain, you know, what the psychology behind that is or what the correlation between ownership and demand specifically is they're artificially creating demand yeah exactly like scalpers right yeah pretty much let's say in this example that the price of magnitude coin jumped up to two dollars right then at that point pump and dumpers will just sell all of their stuff and they'll double their money but the people that 
buy it from them will have bought it at two dollars and they'll have had their money that's that's kind of the problem with a lot of a lot of i suppose smaller cryptocurrencies and with normal like stock exchanges and stuff this kind of activity is illegal but with a cryptocurrency it's unregulated so that's why that's another i guess concern there is that it's you know that unregulation does have some you know other risks than just oh i'm not insured or whatever there's more risk to it as well there which to be clear this isn't me saying you shouldn't be investing in cryptocurrency at all this is me saying there are a lot of risks with it involved but there's also a lot of potential gain as with any investment and by regulation do you mean like it can't be planned because something like this could just happen by accident right yeah i mean that would be that'd be natural right they'd hash that out in the courts but I mean, there are regulations, quote-unquote, around all cryptocurrency, right? Like, it's if it turns out to be a fraud, then that's not necessarily a, hey, this is cryptocurrency, so it's unregulated and we can't <laughs> sue you for fraud, right? They can still do that. And uh, a really uh, a wild example that I actually heard about recently, or read up on recently, was OneCoin. Um, have either of you heard of it? OneCoin? Yeah. That sounds awesome. <laughs> so our coin. Yeah. That should be the next one. Yeah, no, it's uh it was a wild story. There's um some like lady and her brother that started this this new cryptocurrency called OneCoin and it turned out to be a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> like just a a massive Ponzi scheme. And they and Apparently, a whole bunch of people that, you know, wanted to get rich quick put their entire life savings in it and ended up losing, you know, all of it when the uh, the founder, well, yeah, one of the founders ended up taking all of the one coin that she had made and just disappeared, like, completely. <laughs> they haven't found her no. since. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she definitely threw the other founder, her brother, under the bus because I'm pretty sure he's in prison or something right now. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the other side of, of cryptocurrency. You know, there's <laughs> definitely a massive grain of salt you should be taking with regard to any crypto that you're buying. Right. Make sure you understand what the underlying concepts are, what you're buying, why you're buying it, how much you can afford to lose and you know like what your what your risk is in that case my friend used to my friend who um the one i mentioned that had bought ethereum when it was like 50 cents um he said that back in high school or our high school days he would be researching like all the different cryptocurrencies at the time and like trying to research like what they're for what they're used for and like reasons for why some of them might uh, you know get bigger or grow or why some might die and then he did like a whole bunch of just like research and looking into them which he doesn't do now um he's more just like you know set it and forget it with uh with that i yeah i kind of wish he would <laughs> come on for like a special of this show just to talk about what he looked at it could be a cool special episode an interview with somebody that's been doing crypto for a while the crypto special <laughs> yeah <laughs> so for world news the first thing i wanted to discuss was the stimulus uh, as i call it the blue balls that america's having right now is over stimulus because we've are still in this back and forth between the two parties try and get a stimulus bill passed and it's 
taking its own toll on the economy. It's part of the reason why the stock market has been in such a slump lately. There's a lot of arguments saying, well, you know, we'll have vaccines soon. So do we really need it? What are your guys' take on it? Do you think we still need stimulus, first off? My answer to uh, start the conversation would be, yes, there's lots of people still without jobs. The homeless population is insane right now. Just walking around Seattle, there's significantly more homeless people. So I think we definitely need some type of stimulus because our economy will take a long time to recover. I definitely don't know the scale of the impact of of stimulus on the communities, like the the various communities, because I mean, I just can't see everything. But I have heard about like stories where even without being homeless, like some people who have have homes, but they can't keep up on their bills or if they want to keep up on their bills, they they have like a lot less money for you know just like food and groceries and um you know supplies things like that so i mean i would believe that the stimulus would be definitely be helpful for both that situation and homeless people and really just anyone that's been severely affected by just the downturn of the economy and in covid uh just for i mean for myself needing stimulus i don't know i just all i know is i haven't gotten my first one yet (laughs) Um, although I filed taxes before the deadline, it was like back in June. I, th- I mean, I think it would be helpful. Uh, what about you? Um, well, okay, so I, I don't just think we think we need stimulus. I think we definitely need stimulus. Like, so the problem isn't that the last stimulus, you know, wasn't enough. It was that it was so far short of what people needed that a lot of damage has already been done. Like, the, the way I look at it is that if your house got foreclosed and you got kicked out, like, that's it. That's already a massive failure in the part of the government, right? Because if there's a huge virus that's destroying your ability to work, why else do you have government, right? Your government is there to, like, stick up for you in specific times when you know a single person might not be enough to handle something right and so handing people just a twelve hundred dollar stimulus check right which i don't know about you guys but that barely covers rent for one month for me yep same yeah in in boston and i mean god knows how much worse it is in new york or uh, la right or san francisco it's where a lot of young people live so not only that I think whatever we do now, it, it'll it'll fall short again because a lot of you know senators and and Congress people are rich as hell, right? Like I don't know if either of you guys heard about either of those two Georgian senators that are currently in an election, right? That'd be David Perdue and uh, Kelly Loeffler. Both of them are massively profiting off of insider trading just because they knew about the coronavirus while publicly telling people that the virus wouldn't be that bad and they should just go back to work, right? Like, that's just, that's unconscionable. And the other thing is that because they're rich, they don't really care about, you know, giving people the means to survive such a, such a, you know, horrible situation that we're all going through collectively. I will say, though, that earlier news this week was that the student loan forbearance only for federal loans was extended by one month to January 31st. And Biden is promising, and I say promising in a very heavy set of air quotes, because politicians 
promise stuff all the time, that he'll forgive about $10,000 worth of student loans, of federal student loans, which is, which is huge. Don't get me wrong, but that's really on the lower end of people that I know that have student loans. Like the real number is somewhere closer to, what, $40,000, That's only for people that only did their undergrads. If you went to grad school, if you ended up, you know, becoming a doctor, right, or a, or a dentist or any other degree that needs higher qualifications, or, you know, you decided, hey, I want to go into the sciences, right? You got your doctorate, your PhD, you know, your postgrad, like you're, you're screwed, right? It's just an area where stimulus should have been happening this entire time, and it should have been happening long before and long after this pandemic. It's just that the pandemic brought out the need for it much more starkly in a way that politicians couldn't really ignore, which I suppose was a grim silver lining of the whole thing. The way you describe it makes me want to just like bring it back to the French Revolution. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> just, uh, just break into the castles, you know, break out some guillotines, <laughs> you know, non-violently, of course, but yeah, you can dull the key. Yeah, just dis- disperse the money. <laughs> <laughs> and just have it as an art piece in your uh, shared mansion. Now, it's interesting because there's, I think there's three different aspects of this stimulus that we're talking about here. The first aspect of which is um, the stimulus check that Tamar mentioned. That goes to everyone. I don't believe that's even on negotiation tables anymore. The second of which, which is the one that I think is the more important one, is the boost to unemployment. The current plan, as far as I last heard it, was they were doing, they were looking at doing 300 additional dollars of unemployment for basically the next, I think, three months, um, as well as some back pay for the last few months, because people have not had it. I think that's the more important one, because that keeps people who are out of a job at least somewhat stable, regularly able to pay their bills. And then the last is something more long-term, which is, you know, people are in a ton of debt right now. I mean, student loans, obviously, is the most prominent one for us because we just finished college. But, you know, people in home loan or or home loan debt and whatnot that they can't get out of. We need to find some way to help Americans get out of that financial struggle. Because the honest truth is, if people are in that much debt, it's not good for the economy. People aren't going to be spending money. It's we need some way to help the everyday Americans get out of debt because there's no way that people are realistically going to keep spending money if they're in that much debt. I just wanted to take a short uh, detour. So like without going in like too deep into it, I just one of my biggest questions for doing the stimulus checks is like not just where the money comes from, but like how to how does the country afford it? If uh, you know, just given that the country is in like its own debt, this stems from like an ideal that I have for like myself so like how i would run myself and would just like expand to how i might want to like run the country you know andrew 2020 i mean not 2020 (laughs) andrew 30 2034 or something andrew not yang uh (laughs) yeah yeah well yeah he he proposed the stimulus checks first well yeah (laughs) monthly stimulus checks like without covid so yeah, it's just like, I just don't know what the idea is behind, like, where the money comes from, like, what really pays for it, and if it would be a problem to, like, the government's 
spending or something. All right. Well, I'll take the I don't think it would be a problem approach. Um, but honestly, if you have a, a, a different view on it, you know, we can hash that out afterwards and, you know, figure out where the where the chips really fall. Um, I don't think it's a problem because, like, at, at the end of the day, you're paying 20% or more uh, of your income in, in taxes, right? And your employer's also paying taxes on your income as well. And there's sales taxes and there's financial transaction taxes like, you know, capital gains and taxes on capital gains for your house. Like there's there's a ton of different ways that the government makes tax money. So I don't really think that the problem will ever be that there isn't enough money to, you know, give everybody a stimulus check every month even, right? Because if I make about 75k a year, I end up paying about uh, 1700 bucks a month in, in taxes, roughly. That's bigger than $1,200 a month, so I'd cover my own stimulus check, right? And I'm not even in the highest set of earners, right? If you're making double what I do, you cover someone else's stimulus check. If you make triple which is even then really not out of the ordinary for the highest set of income earners. You pay for three people's. If you're a billionaire, imagine how many people's stimulus checks that you pay for, right? There's that aspect. And then the other aspect is kind of how do you allocate tax money? We spend a whole lot on the VA, which is pretty good. We spend a ridiculous amount on the Pentagon and the military, not so good, in my opinion. Yeah, debatable at best. I mean, and the other problem with them is they don't have to justify it because it's all like national security concerns and stuff, which I think is just a BS excuse, right? If you don't have to justify it, you'll always ask for more because, you know, God knows there's a some kid in Syria that hasn't been turned into a skeleton. <laughs> a bit of morbid humor for morbid humor for you guys there but but i think that's kind of the main problem right that we talk a whole lot about accountability for the government you actually hear a certain set of senators and congress people from a certain party that starts with the word r talking about accountability but they're not really talking about accountability they're talking about hey what can we slash in terms of actual benefits that we give people rather than the benefits that we give to defense companies, for example, or to the national security apparatus. It's it's not sustainable. And honestly, for a while, we've been seeing the results of that unsustainability. It's an allocation problem, not a money problem. The way you've explained it makes more sense than to have the, the gap of knowledge that I had uh, prior. Uh, or at least speculation because the way like i mentioned the ideal that i have so that ideal is just like paying off debts so like trying not to spend other people's money before i you know have like paid off all my debts or something so like for myself i just personally don't oh as a actual example so like i want to pay off my college loans before as like you know as a start to get me just you know, started in life and then I'll I can go off and do literally anything else other than just survive 
obviously. And so, like, not owing money to people or someone else or something else is, like, important. And it's, it's kind of, like, tied to owning myself, I feel like, like, innately. Right. So, like, in terms of a country, I would kind of want to do the same thing. But obviously, it's not as simple as, you know, just pay that trillion dollars in one go and then, <laughs> and then do anything else you want. Like, there's still a lot of things that go on um, at the same time. So, yeah, that, that's helpful perspective. Yeah, I think to answer kind of simply, the question being, you know, how do we fund these social programs? How do we fund making it so that the average American can spend more money, can have more, of, have a higher quality of life for the average American? And there's two quick and easy answers, which is one, the most easy is look at what other countries that have that are doing and copy them. There's no shame in copying someone's homework and politics, honestly. The second answer is do what harms the, do what benefits the most amount of people while harming the least, if that makes sense. So utilitarianism uh the most ethical version just in the sense that like if you're going only off majority then 51 percent could be just like half the people and then that would just be really weird but i digress continue (laughs) yeah no the um but the overall thought here being that you know as much as people hate the concept sometimes of you know tax more taxes or whatever on the wealthy i know it's a very hot button political issue when you think about it in a perspective of um, you know, taking for, taking the least harm for the people of the U.S. and applying it to benefit the most possible people, I think that's really the best way to think about it, as not just as a polit- political view, as a humanitarian view of these people don't need this much, so we need to give it to everyone else that everyone benefits. And I think that's, that, that is kind of where I want to close that out, is that, that point of we need to find a way to make everything a little bit more equal, at least. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's one more thing I'd want to add, and it, it yeah, kind of jumps off of Andrew's point about you know wanting to to own your own life, right? Um, I think a lot of the problem is that for the people that profit that much, you know, that that want to pay as little in taxes as possible, that's doing a serious like social disservice, right? Those people still drive on the same roads we do. Right? Their employees are from the same public schools that we pay for. Their, you know, employees might have gone to colleges that had, you know, some amount of federal funding or that had federal, you know, student aid, whether that's in terms of loans or even grants, right? They, they still occupy kind of the same place that the rest of us do. They still take advantage of the same social perks that we have just by merit of, you know, agreeing to live in a country that is decently civilized or more civilized than maybe a country in, I don't know, the year 1000 might have been, right? I think that's (laughs) kind of where part of the problem comes up, right? Like, taxes should be something that work for the common good, so why aren't they? And the other thing is that you shouldn't really think of taxes as the government eating your money. You should think of it as, hey, you know, I have all these perks that I get from living in America, right? Whether that's a decent public education, whether that's 
roads or highway infrastructure or, you know, hey, I can fly in a plane every 20 minutes to New York or something, right? Those are all those are all things that you should want to be as good as possible via your tax money, right? You shouldn't really think of it as a burden. You should think of it as, you know, uh, a noble endeavor that you're doing to make your fellow person better. Yeah, I think that ties a nice bow on that. Hold on, I wanna I wanna hear a little bit about the router Faraday cages because I only saw like a YouTube headline of it, and I was thinking that was just like some dumb trend. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is a this is a quick <laughs> fun one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you should probably like lead into it by just all right. So on a lighter piece of news to take you know everyone's mind off of the existential dread we just talked about. <laughs> I don't know. This is pretty existential dread for. Uh, engineers as us for the people involved <laughs> yeah so um i think this kind of debate is a good lead-in for it here news article that uh, my partner actually sent me uh about people putting their routers the article says in jail uh to protect themselves from harmless wi-fi <laughs> so uh, i don't know if people are aware yeah, that's what I saw. but there's been a conspiracy floating around since uh covid started that 5g is causing COVID-19 somehow, um, which all three of us as electrical <laughs> engineers, I hope we know that's not true. And if any of you have an issue with that, this can become a two-person podcast. I don't know, man. I swear, Discord, I got, I caught COVID through Discord. You know, someone coughed into the mic. No, Andrew's totally right, man. I, uh, I plugged in my router and then, bam, I had COVID. Like, it's <laughs> wild. <laughs> <laughs> someone gave you COVID packets. Damn, it really should have wire sharked it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so people have started buying Faraday cages, which, uh, if you don't know what a Faraday cage is, um, it basically blocks all electromagnetic like radiation and signals from escaping that area. Which, the issue with putting your router in that is obviously that's exactly what a router is designed to do is put out radio signals. So essentially what people are doing is putting their routers in boxes that then make their routers not work. And then people are complaining about it not working, which makes sense. So the other aspect of this, and this is as close as I can tie it into stocks here, is that there are boxes on Amazon selling for like $200 that people are buying to put their routers in for this. And... Yeah, that, that's really all I have to say here on it is, Jesus Christ, why are people doing this? Um, it, I'll, I'll say this. If, if you are a person who is concerned about this, one, don't be. Read a textbook on you know how RF waveforms work and all this. Your biggest concern is possibly cancer, but realistically, no, that's not an issue. <laughs> but if you're really concerned about it, Ethernet. Run cables for everything. Don't buy any wireless things turn off the wi-fi radio on your laptop don't use wi-fi if you're really that concerned but on top of that they'd have to throw out their microwave too yes get rid of your microwave um get rid of get rid of your (laughs) smartphone i mean regardless that thing's going to be putting out radio waves i mean if you're really concerned about this 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 is not the solution for you to be perfectly honest uh you will have to live some type of cave life with uh i guess at most a laptop connected to an ethernet port or desktop. And a tinfoil hat? Yes, exactly. Because uh, they can read your thoughts then. Okay, perfect. 
Or they can't read your We're actually, uh, on that topic, uh, if you're listening and you, you know, are concerned about the 5G, we're actually selling magnitude branded 5G <laughs> prevention cages. Uh, they're only $500 each. It's a 50% discount. We usually sell them at a thousand. <laughs> but they are guaranteed to work. <laughs> Link 100%. In the I like it. But yeah, that, that, that was just a good kind of goofy news article that does have a bit of dark humor to it almost. But I hope everyone listening can understand how ridiculous that is. <laughs> I just think that the it was funny that the story of it played out pretty much exactly how it was in my head. But I only read the headline. Because <laughs> I was like, how does, how does that work? <laughs> I don't think it works that way. The Wi-Fi. And I mean, the other thing is that if you, you know, have the physics background to run the math on what effect that electromagnetic radiation actually is, is something like 0.001 degrees Celsius increase on the surface of your skin, <laughs> which, you, which you don't notice. Like, I'll, I'll just spoil it for no. you. Yeah. But that could, that could mess up their temperature readings. Oh, no, 0.001 is only smaller than most of the tolerances of thermocouples that exist in the world yeah i can put them over the fever threshold but yeah most thermometers can't even read that (laughs) all right so stock of the week the topic is energy stocks with uh one caveat specifically no etfs um i'm mentioning this because we talked about icln earlier phenomenal energy stock if you're looking to invest in clean energy or something now is a great time I highly recommend it, uh, but that is not an allowable pick for this week. Um, who wants to take the first swing at it? You guys go ahead. Tomorrow, it's your job now. <laughs> I let in with the topic. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the one I was going to choose or mention was um, Fuel Cell Energy. What's the ticker? F-C-E-L. Thank you. F-Cell. So, yeah, Fuel Cell Energy. Um, so, the topic of Stock of the Week was energy anything energy energy related that aren't icl yes yeah or etfs okay yeah so well i just went on a quick search for um renewable energy sources uh, or energy companies on weeble and the top gainer for like the past month was fuel cell energy and it's looking like they just went from three around three dollars to ten dollars and obviously i don't look that much into um renewable energy companies but this one seemed to just have the have a good performance out of nowhere honestly so that is my stock of the week although in term if it if the stock of the week is in terms of actually buying the stock right now no it's a it's a game we're playing no 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 like if 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 that's the criteria then then it probably isn't my stock of the week, but um, yeah, I have okay, yeah, I just I have no clue if what made it go up, but we can find out as we're going along in the other ones. Okay, I'm going to claim mine before uh, Tamar gets it because I think this is a sneaky one to claim <laughs> here, um, which is Tesla. They are, in my opinion, that counts. I, I think they do. They they design batteries. I didn't think that counted. They design solar panels, and they produce and sell both of those things. So, 
in my opinion, they are an energy company. They are they are moving the world towards electrification. And that's okay. I didn't want to bring it up, anyways. I, I just I just saw it come up in uh, because of my experience with them. <laughs> I saw it come up in a search result earlier, and I was like, you know what? That's a, that's a that's a good one. So I I think you know it's pretty straightforward. Tesla's been a great earner. I haven't personally invested in it because it's a bit of a risky investment at times. You know, it can spike and drop real fast. Uh, I know Tamora loves it though, and uh, one of our friends that we uh, invest with loves it as well. So I highly recommend it. Um, again, I don't personally invest in it, but it is a very good investment that a lot of people like, and it is a energy company in my opinion yeah they dabble in it all right uh, a bit of a cheap shot i'll admit it was <laughs> yeah. i wasn't expecting it to be honest but okay <laughs> so my first thought when i when i heard the question was all right let's let's buck the trend let's see if there's any nuclear companies Ooh. that uh produce you know or, or specific more specifically it's something that does fusion right you want to be on the cutting edge of any given industry when you invest in it. And uh, spoiler alert, that uh, there's no companies that do that. Sorry, everybody. So I'm going to take a super safe pick and say Siemens Gamesa. They, they're, in, they're a European company that develops wind turbines, both for onshore and offshore uh, uses. What is the ticker for it? Just looking it up. One moment. Oh, jeez. Looks like it's one of those annoying tickers. I believe it's GCTAF. GCTAF. It, it's European, so it wouldn't trade on the NYSE. So it'd have that longer. Yep. Interesting um, pick. It's it's a it's a safe pick. Nothing really, uh, you know, mm-hmm. spectacular. No no real story of spectacular growth or future vision or anything. Just. You know, they make they make wind turbines, they have a solid, you know, dividend. That's it. The the thing that sticks out to me with this one, and I just want to say this before we close out, is um Siemens. I don't know if you recognize the name or not. They do they're just general electric company kind of they're they're basically it's similar to a GE of sorts. Please don't say that, Chris. <laughs> Siemens AG is a German multinational conglomerate company headquartered in Munich, blah 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 is the largest industrial manufacturing company in Europe. So they, they are AGE of Europe, essentially. But the thing that sticks out to me a lot is uh, I'm very obsessed with trains and public transit. They are one of the largest manufacturers of trains, up where with uh, Alstom and other companies. So they have a very stable business, um, is kind of what I'm getting at here. Is that it's a stable investment as well. So if anything, Tamor picked the one I probably should have picked, and I picked the one Tamor probably should have picked. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> oh, actually, slightly. It's not nuclear, but um, with fuel cell energy, they apparently they make um, turnkey power solutions or power generation solutions to the customers, and that includes power plant installation, operations, and maintenance. So yeah, they use like um, a direct fuel cell direct fuel cell plants so that's that's in in a similar ballpark for for facilities at least thank you for watching the magnitude podcast i hope you've enjoyed a good run of banter about you know stock tech and anything politics related and really anything we want to talk about 
Um, leave us a comment down below. Tell us what you think. And also let us know any other topics you'd like us to discuss. Uh, just keep in mind we're not stock or financial professionals, but um, we'll give it a go. And yeah, have a great one.